today. Welcome to the uh, Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. Today, we have uh, another person from Stockholm, Ludvig Stenberg, uh, general manager for the youth and juniors and J18 head coach in J18 Elite in um, leading up in Stockholm. Welcome to the Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This episode is brought to you by Scandlux, your home for Scandinavian luxury products for the U.S. market. You can find us at scandlux.com. So we connected a little bit like like most of them that I've talked to on LinkedIn, and I thought you had a very interesting background, and I reached out right away and said, you should come on the podcast, talk about your experience. Yep. So what I wanted to talk about today is a little bit about your background, how you ended up in the U.S. and your experiences there as a high school player in the juniors college and then uh, pro career a little bit and then now back um, as a GM and coach in Sweden and how you kind of use those experiences and, and, and kind of where that is. Uh, where you taking your 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 background and apply it yep. now? So, um, so if I pull you up, so if since we are almost sponsored by Elite Prospects, we should be. <laughs> we should pull be you right. up. So, and and I made every time I do this, I, I make the mistake, and I and I, I don't use two E's in your last name. So it's Ludwig with a single V, yep. and, and Stan Batty with two E. Stan Batty. Yes. So, uh, originally from SDE. So when I was growing up, SDE was not around. Yeah. No, it, was, it, was, it was actually, it was actually my last year in under 18 when I played in the SDE. So my youth club goes far beyond that, uh, way back. Uh, okay. but that was my last, that was my last year of juniors in the, uh, in the Swedish hockey before I left for the United States. Let, let's go back a little bit. Cause so for everybody that, you know, Stockholm's such a big area geographically. Well, it's it's diverse. So where is where where are you from in Stockholm? I'm from Nacka uh, or South Kabul, uh, 15 minutes outside Nacka, really. Um, started playing hockey school in Bo uh, for a little bit. Uh, shortly left for Flemingsburg, uh, south of Stockholm, a little bit. Okay. I was there for a couple of years. Um, Play with the 94s, uh, had a great team over there. Uh, quickly moved from there to Ugoden and their youth program. Boo! Uh, yeah, boo, right? <laughs> uh, and then spent a couple of years after that in the AIK organization up to U16. Okay. Uh, and then my last year of uh, under 18, I spent in the SD. Um, so that's kind of the backstory. And MB Hockey, what's MB Hockey? That's a small, small, uh, small team outside Stockholm too. Uh, I kind of had a rough year in my U16. Uh, I, you know, I was very small. Uh, yep. Had a tough time there, so it was either, you know, not playing hockey or finding a team where I could, uh, you know, have fun, find the love for hockey again, get the time to grow, uh, put out some, put on some weight, uh, and have fun with some, some friends that I used to play with back in the day. Yeah, and that year was very important for me. It was vital. Uh, I was injured quite a bit, but it, it allowed me to grow uh, physically. 
and gain some confidence back again, which I kind of lost during my U16 year in the, in the AIK. Um, so, so I kind of took a step down for one year there. Interesting, because, because I, I, I think that that's another dimension of your background. I think it's it's so important. So TV puck? Nope, not, nope. Even, not even close. Not even, not close. even close. So we've talked before and with different people about the about um, if you should listen to the episode with Yuel Kinander from Kalmar, late bloomer, killing it right now in the yeah. J20. And, and his reaction was, yeah, I thought it was pretty stupid that people quit at yeah. if they don't make the J, uh, yes. TV puck. But that's kind of the reality even back then, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know how many players that are still playing from my age group um so not it's not a lot but the tv puck has such huge impact on on the players so for the guys that keep on grinding and keep on playing after the tv puck even though they weren't in the tv puck i mean i give kudos to those guys uh, yeah it's easy. yeah what what is it about that i like i want to stay a little bit longer in that but what is it about that that so in a organization so where you grew up and and you played Jurgården, Aikor. Yep. So, how many of those guys on your youth team made the TV Puck tournament for Stockholm? Because they had two two Stockholm teams, I think, in TV. No, they only had one Stockholm team back then, so it was even harder. Oh. Uh, so from from my team in Aikor during that time, it was probably three, four guys that made okay. it. Yeah. Uh, and. It was really only one guy that's still playing that made it, uh, Philip Sandberg, who plays right now in Coleftio. Um, so he, so he was the one that really made it um, from from my team. But then it was obviously a, a lot of guys from the bigger clubs in in Stockholm. You um, going obviously had a couple, uh, but then DE Dandrid Inbebari, who later formed SDE, they had a couple of really good players on on their team. So. They were big, fast, and strong already when they were 15, right? So they obviously made a team. Yeah. Uh, but it was big competition, really but, big competition. But but the 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 uh, the combination of the timing of that is that they're 15 years old, and it's also when they're in ninth grade, and is it's a big decision from a from an academic standpoint of okay, now we're going to gymnasium. Am I going to go into regular gymnasium or am I going to go into an athletic type of a program, hockey, hockey yeah. gymnasium? And I mean, that, that wasn't really a big thing either. I say back then, it sounds like it was 20 years ago, but it wasn't. But hockey gymnasium now is so big, but it wasn't really when I was there. Like it was fully normal to just go to a normal uh, high school and, and play still at the highest level in juniors, but you didn't really have to go to that specific school for a specific team. Yeah. Uh, now it's all about that, right? But uh, I, I guess we were lucky enough to not having to go to a hockey nation to play for a great club still. Um, so, obviously- so has that actually gotten worse, you think? Yeah, since then? way worse. Wow. Significantly way worse, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think it's a, the result of that is that there's a significant drop off and it's a natural kind of selection in one way. Yeah. But unfortunately, and I can sympathize for that, when I was, we talked offline a little bit on, when I was growing up, I was a late bloomer, and and my defense partner was Stefan Bergqvist, who was 
30 pounds bigger than me and foot taller. And, and uh, they put me with him because he was good and I was terrible, but I was also really small and, and, and late. And it was easy for me to quit because I just wasn't physically developed. It wasn't like I was scared of being hit, but it was just when you're that, when you're smaller, you're just not as good. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, and then when you're 17, 18, you catch up and, but then it's too late if you've already quit. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, now it's even harder. So now the guys, even though they have two teams on the TV puck, I mean, the hockey gymnasium is so big here. So if you make the TV puck, I'm not saying that you have a guaranteed spot in a hockey gymnasium, not at all, but the path is even smaller now to, to the top uh, yeah. because a lot of guys, unfortunately stop playing if they don't make the TV puck and the next step, they stop playing if they don't make the hockey gymnasium that they want to go to. Um, so I don't have the statistics on how many that drops, but I'm sure there's quite a few. Well, how many, so let's, let's be, and, and we want to talk about going in the U S but um, since we're in on this subject in Stockholm, how many hockey gymnasiums that have the designation NIU are there in Stockholm region? I think right at the top of my head, I think there's like three NIUs. Yeah. Uh, which obviously, you uh, wouldn't know. Uh, Hoodingham maybe has one still. I don't know if they lost it. And then in the greater Stockholm area, Södertälje obviously has one. Um, Antuna in Uppsala, which is sort of close. Um, yep. Those are the four teams that are big clubs that have hockey nations. But some of the smaller clubs also have a type of gymnasium, but it's not to the same extent like the other teams have it. Yeah, and I think that that's the, the big the, the big difference between the big clubs and the big gymnasiums and that, that have resources, facilities, and the emphasis. And, and, and what I've seen is the staffing, right? Yep. We'll go into that uh, when we get back to in your role. Um, so on. Let's switch gears a little bit. So, so you played J18 Elite, um, had some good numbers. So, you, you know, uh, 34 games, 16 points, not bad. And then it says National Sports Academy in New York. Yep. And there you tore it up. You killed it. So first of all, how did you end up there? So how did I end up there? Yeah, but I, I went through a company, uh, a smaller company based in Gothenburg, Sweden, called Athlete School Advisor. Not really sure if they're still around. Uh, they work with sending student athletes to the States. They don't only work with hockey, they work, work with tennis, soccer, uh, skiing, a lot of golf. Uh, so I got in contact with them through a guy I played with on SDE, whose uh, dad and mom originally, I think, are from Gothenburg and knew these guys. Uh, and my goal since, you know, I, I was 12 or 13 and went over to the States for the first time was to come back to the States and play hockey. Uh, and combine that with the acad- academics, which you can't really do in Stockholm. Um, you can do it on the lower levels, maybe a little bit on, on under 18, but then, you know, you can't really do anything after that. Right. So I wanted to play hockey at a high level and still get my degrees and everything. Um, so, yeah, I went through them. They helped me out fixed all the paperwork. They uh, hooked me up with a couple of interviews for a couple of different prep schools. Uh, so I sat down with like, Right now, it's Zoom meetings with a couple of, of schools, and 
I think I picked between five schools and ended up picking the National Sports Academy based in Lake Placid, New York. So you were then, uh, that was the first year out of ninth grade? That was the first year. So I went there uh, for my for my senior year and postgraduate year. Okay. Uh, well, I left Sweden when I was 17. So going into my last year of gymnasium in Sweden. Wow, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a... So you skipped your last year of, of gymnasium. Yep, yep. So I went over and took my senior year. Uh, I knew that I had to do two years in, in prep school or in one way or another, I had to complete my Swedish degree too, uh, which I did by completing two years of prep school. Uh, so I stayed my senior year, uh, stayed my postgraduate year, and then uh, left for junior hockey. Okay. Um, in New York... Or so Lake Placid for those, it's, you know, when I first came to the U S I was 18. And when somebody said New York, everybody thinks New York city Manhattan, yep. and Manhattan or, uh, you know, around there, Lake Placid and not, is not necessarily Manhattan. No, it's, it's really not. Uh, it's upstate New York. Uh, but you know, very famous town for the 1980s yep. Olympics in the U.S. versus, uh, you know, the Soviet Union. Uh, beautiful little town up north. Amazing. Uh, two great years. So, um, was, so what, did you, did, how close were you to the, to the Olympic Center or the, um, I, I don't know what, I've actually never been up there, but it. You know, two, two minute walk, two minute walk. So that was our home rink, right? So we, oh, we, we, we played in that Olympic Center in her Brooks Arena. That was our home rink. Uh, We've always was, talked uh, about, you know, every year, man, we should do a tournament in Lake Placid when, when yeah. my son was playing, and we never did. No, it's amazing. And uh, before I went, I think I watched a movie Miracle about 22 times just because I was going to go to Lake Placid. Uh, wow. Later found out that they did not record the movie in Lake Placid. So, <laughs> yeah, just kind of bummed out, but it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the story itself is amazing. And, and was that a internaut school or a boarding school? Yeah, that was a boarding school, prep school, correct. Okay. And uh, so how was it moving over there? Uh, was it all sports that were there? Yeah, it was an all sports school. It was a small school. Uh, we had a couple teams there. It was only really winter sports. Uh, so it, it was not a traditional prep school where you have a fall sport and then a spring sport and stuff like that, right? So that was one of the reasons why I picked NSA because we played hockey year round and we played an independent schedule, meaning we played 55 regular season games instead of yep. 25 like you usually do in prep schools. Uh, so that was a big selling point for me to play a lot of hockey. Uh, so we had hockey. We had men's and women's hockey, obviously. The women's team were amazing. Uh, have uh, they raised a couple of Olympic gold medalists from that? Uh, not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. Uh, a couple of guys or a couple of girls played on the uh, U.S. team. Uh, one girl still plays for uh, the Czech national team. Uh, so the girls' team were fantastic. We had our men's team, and then we had a lot of skiing, a lot of bobsled, a lot of stuff like that. So wow, um, it was great. Wow. So, um, and you did a couple of years over there. So I get, I'm assuming you went home during the summers and, yeah. and summers and Christmas, Christmas break. Uh, so I spent two years up there um, yeah. and then I went on to 
play junior hockey closer to Manhattan uh, in Connecticut. So. Okay. And it must have been. So how did you learn about the whole process? Because back then, that was not necessarily the common route to go and play uh, high school hockey and, and go that route. So you must have kind of paved your own way a, li a little bit. Uh, a little bit. So I went over. We actually had a small camp here in Stockholm with, that my dad set up uh, and another friend of mine's dad. Uh, it called it A3 Hockey. And uh, back then we, we wanted to go to the, to the U.S. and play a tournament, right? Because yep. that was a big, uh, I think we were one of the first like camps to do it or so to speak. Uh, so we went over to Rochester, New York, another yep. great city of New York uh, and played a prep or, or played a tournament, not a prep tournament, but a tournament yep. called the NAPS tournament, North American Prospect Showcase. Uh, and I quickly, you know, realized, yeah, okay, I want to go to the U.S. and play hockey. This is sick. This is awesome. They have six ranking, one complex, you know, every, they're hockey crazy here. So I want to go here and play. So that's when I first knew that, I, okay, yeah, this, that I got to do this. And it took a couple of years to, to figure it out where we were going to go. We, we talked to another team. I don't know if that team exists anymore, the Vermont Lakes, uh, another uh, team up in Vermont's like okay I can go play here didn't work out and then I was lucky you know to find this this help uh, from athlete school advisor so, yeah all right and and at the time so so when did you start thinking about doing juniors because I'm assuming then I'm connecting the dots a little bit here about uh when you're in high school the next thing you're thinking about is playing in college right yeah absolutely uh but I was, you know, when I first went over, it was like, yeah, I'm going to take one year and, okay. and, see, and see if I like it. Uh, obviously, it turned out loving it. Yeah. So I, I stayed put. And, you know, one thing led to another. One, I was going to take well, my first year in, in prep school, loved it, took another year, excelled in my hockey, uh, found this great junior team. You know, things just kind of went on very nicely, so. But did you, uh, did you know at the time that you couldn't make the leap between high school and go straight into college? Because it's a, yeah, it's a big misconception yeah. about, you know, even here in the U S people go through youth hockey and they're like, okay, what's, they don't know what juniors is all about. And they think, because the way it works with, with, with other sports, uh, basketball or, or, or baseball or, or football, you know, you go straight from high school into college and you get recruited, you get scholarships, but in hockey, it's so different. They don't want you unless you're 20 years old, pretty much. Yeah, basically. And I don't even think I thought about it that much, to be honest. I just took one step at a time. I knew probably after my first months or so that I had to go through the juniors in order to get myself to college. Yeah. And I mean, we had terrific coaches on, on, on my team. Uh, and they and became your advisors? Yeah, a little bit too. I mean, they made phone calls for me. And my first year, I had Tom Lennox, who went on to coach in uh, Springfield Junior Picks and then all. And um, my, my, my next year, I had Don McAdam, who's a legendary coach who won Stanley Cup with the front Oilers as, as a coach. Um, he's been in the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League for a lot of years. And yep. Now he's overseas. But, you know, he, he guided me in the right direction. Um, make sure that I was ready to move on and 
but made it clear for me that I have to go through junior hockey before going to college to yep. be able to introduce, you know, play against men. Yeah, um, that's basically uh, what it is. So the first year, then, so you ended up with Connecticut Oilers in. Yep. So where in Connecticut are they? That's based uh, out of Norwalk, Connecticut. Okay. So right, right on the coast, on the water. Um, great. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a beautiful place. I mean, that's kind of similar to Sweden in a way. A little bit, yep. Uh, but but there's a rink in every – I mean, it's similar to Sweden, too, that there's a rink in every corner. Yeah, um, I mean, the U.S. have so many rinks. It's crazy, but – Yeah. And uh, in the e- EHL, Eastern Hockey League, Tier 3, and not a big deal uh, – a uh, championship shows up on the on the elite prospects highlights. Yeah, right. That must have been pretty special. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it was great. I I knew I only had one year, uh, and I I was lucky enough to come to a great organization in the Connecticut Oilers that are now the Rough Riders. Um, but we had a great team. Great team. I mean, we had a couple of D one commits, obviously, and. So we had a great team and we knew that we could do it. And uh, we had a fantastic season and a great year and ended up winning it. So, I mean, I don't think they have really been close since, since we won it uh, back in, was it 2015? <laughs> I don't even remember, 2014, 2015. Uh, so. But your development then from, if you go from kind of when you were a late bloomer in Sweden, didn't make the TV puck, kind of found your way, found the love, there's got to be a time there that when did it click for you? Okay. You always had the love for it, but you know, there were other people when you grew up that were better. Yeah, absolutely. I think it kind of clicked my last year in Sweden with SD. Uh, you know, I had a great coach that I work with right now too. Joachim Mulligan, uh, that really pushed us. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, the, the summer workouts with him, you know, put us in a great spot. I was going to ask about that. You know, number one, who was the person that kind of guide guided you there, and what was this, what was that that made that special? Yeah, I mean, that was him for sure. Uh, he made me realize what I needed to do to be able to be, you know, be ready. Uh, and what what was that? Hard work, first of all, and being physically prepared, uh, accepting you know, the roles and, and accepting the coach and what he wants. And he was very clear in what he expected out of every single player and didn't really favorize anyone. He, he was a great coach uh, in many ways. And I learned a lot from him. And after that year, I mean, I was physically ready. Uh, I think I had a pretty good season. Um, I was fortunate enough to during the season to, to center William Nylander and uh, Dima Timashov. So I had quite a bit of fun with, you know, playing with those two guys. Not a big uh, deal either. Yeah, no, so it was great. I didn't have to touch the puck, though. Um, <laughs> I was the third guy high all the time. I just let those two guys do the work down in the corner. So I was just cleaning up after their puck drops. Uh, but that was, that was a great experience for me, too. But, yeah, he helped me a lot in the way. And, obviously, my, I felt ready going into uh, the U.S. hockey and, and, and kind of took off from there. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, so if you look at your numbers in, uh, in the EHL, 52 points, second in, in, in that team in points. Um, and then uh, you stayed. So 
did you have to go back and get so you were not how did you fix your visa when you were in juniors uh i i got it during the summer after my prep school days so uh after i graduated my post-grad year i i knew i was going to go to that did you do did, did, did you do um were you a student at the time when you did your no, yeah well yeah i was so i already had an f1 visa right so right. uh, the national sports academy got for me well i had to apply for it in sweden obviously but so i just went through the same process again of getting the b1 b1 b2 visa which is basically a tourist visa that you can stay i don't know if it's six months or nine months or whatever it is so I had that visa during my year in Connecticut. And then when I moved on to college, I had to go back again to Sweden, obviously during the summer and apply for the F1 again. Yeah. Uh, that would last me about five years. Yeah. Um, so that's why I didn't need the visa. So uh, Plymouth State, uh, let's see, in the D3. Yep. And uh, which, so so people don't, know how competitive t3 college ncaa is yeah no i don't <laughs> i mean um you have d1 ncaa d1 and you have yeah. ncaa d3 and then you have acha d1 yeah. d3 d3 um not a whole lot of difference i mean and then you got sescac which is kind of the 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 ivy league teams that i yeah. i don't know if they're playing in in NCAA or not, but, but I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But, but, but some extremely good college hockey there. Um, how did you end up? So they're in New Hampshire. So you're kind of staying in that area. Did you get recruited? Yeah. So I, we, uh, after Christmas, I, we went to a showcase in, uh, Walpole, Massachusetts, uh, another fantastic little town. Yeah. Next to Gillette Stadium, where the Patriots play. Yeah, kind of uh, Foxborough area. Big, yeah, yeah, one of the biggest showcases of the year. Um, a lot of coaches were there, a lot of scouts. And after that, I had a great showing. Um, and we had a great tournament as a team as well. But after that, Coach Russell out of Plymouth State, you know, reached out and said he was interested in in getting me to Plymouth. And um, yeah, so I then went, went for a visit not, not many weeks after. And I pick pick Plymouth, basically. So I had, I, I had a couple other offers from from different schools, and I went on a couple of different college tours and stuff. But you know, when I went up to Plymouth, it was just yeah. So what was that when? So walk walk me through that. You go to the showcase, which is a which is basically a tournament. Um, was that with um, with your team or was that no, just a? No, that was that was with our team. So it okay. was still it was still league play. So okay. it was just. Uh, all the teams gather at one spot and we still play the league game. So it was not like a games where you can just go in and skate on one, one foot and hope for, for the best, you know, yeah, we, yeah. Still, we still had to win some games. And we knew that I think we played maybe two or three showcases during the year. And, and this was the last one. So if you wanted, you know, a good college to pick you up, then that was one of the tournaments that you need to play well at. Obviously they, they had, they had kept track of some some players through the year, and they knew they knew who we were. But so so, how was the uh, the phone call home after that tournament? After they came up and said, "Hey, we're interested in you." So who did you call, mom or dad? 
I think I called them both at, at, at the same time. I think I, didn't, I think my dad was at the showcase actually, uh, so I didn't have to go very far to tell someone. Uh, okay, which is pretty cool. But for me, I mean, the college dream became a reality. And yeah, because um, you didn't know it before that. No, I didn't know. I, I didn't know at all. Uh, I knew maybe some other schools had some interest and in, in stuff, but here was like, yeah, we really, really want you. And uh, obviously a great feeling. And it's a big step in playing college hockey since, you know, not a lot of people in Sweden know how good college hockey is. It's either yeah. you play at Boston University or you don't play college hockey. That's, <laughs> that's kind of the understanding we have back here. It's getting better because uh, a lot of guys are starting to choose the route of junior hockey yeah. in college hockey. But for me, it was personally the biggest thing that have happened so far in my career. And, and since college was such a big dream of mine to again combine school with athletics at a very high level, I mean, it was. Just, so, what was it about that? You know, for, for those who don't know about college hockey in the U.S., what was it about it that made it so special? You know, loaded just, question but first of all staying at one place for four years uh I, at the time when i committed it was like i had moved around a little bit and didn't really know where i was gonna go what stuff for me it was just a safe haven kind of it was just like you yeah. know this is where i'm gonna play this is where i'm gonna be for the next four years this is my home i know after the summer i'm gonna come back to the same place um but you know get gets this chance to play for a great program um, that have been very successful the years prior and also get a great degree. I mean, that's, I, I, it's hard to be. Uh, and I, I knew that uh, I had to get a degree to fall back on because eventually my career would be done. Right. And, and the HL wasn't really an option. And so, yeah, it, it was pretty easy for me to, to choose college. Yeah. yeah and I, I just think it's such a, um, you know, if you compare it, so so let's compare it. The the level of hockey in so so let's look, let's go back one year in the EHL tier yep. three. Yep. Which, you know, when we look at tier three programs in the US, it's there's tons of them out there. You got NA3, you got USPHA, USPHL, and you got EHL. Uh and and the level is, I mean, EHL is probably you know, they're very consistent with, yeah. with, with the level, but then, you know, how do you compare that level to Swedish juniors? Uh, it's hard because I think those leagues change every year. Yep. Depending on what ages are playing in the league. When I played in the EHL, that league has had just gone from the EJHL. Oh, that was the first year EHL. Junior hockey league. Uh, and turned into the EHL. So back then, I think uh, you still had a Western Junior Hockey League or Western States Junior Hockey League. Uh, so the NA3, I don't even know if that existed. Probably uh, not. So I knew there were USPHL, and that back then the USPHL was probably a little better overall than the EHL, or at least very similar. And the USPHL was closer to the North American Hockey League than anything else. Yep. But now all of a sudden the EHL and the USPHL are sort of similar and, 
NA3HL and all that. There's so many leagues, and yep. now we even have the NCDC. So there's there's a jungle. Like, people yes. don't even know where to start. They just see all these leagues, and what the hell is going on? Yep. Where am I going to play? But you also have the USHL and NHL that are staying very, very, very consistent every single year. Yep. Um, but the league back then was very good. It was very competitive and very good. And, and I think looking at college commitments that year was through the roof. And, and for those who don't know, I mean, even EHL now is, is basically a feeder league for the yeah. NCAA D3 programs. Yeah. Right? Still, still kind of is. Um, yeah. So. I mean, it, it's not necessarily people don't go to EHL to go to D1. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's really designed for for D3, but a really, really good league, a really good uh, organized. They know what they're doing. They're consistent. And, um, you know, people go there to play for two or three years and then they move on to D3. So D3, how did how did that level um, so did you go in right away and play right away or did you have no. to sit? No, I, I was fortunate enough to play. I only missed one game in four years. Wow. In college. Uh, and so then I you had to kind of balance being a student. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, if you actually looking at the level, D3 hockey is definitely division one here. Yeah. Uh, you know, the highest in of age. It's not SHL or Alsaskin, but Division One, so it's still professional hockey in terms of that, so that's the level. Some teams, the absolute best teams, could probably compete with a lower level of hockey Alsaskin on, on a good day. Yeah. Uh, so it's high-level hockey. Like, and yep. People don't really understand that um, until they're there. They're realizing, oh, shit, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that and was you made, And you made some good friends, I'm assuming? Very good friends. Friends for life. Yeah, obviously, uh, people I'm gonna invite to my my wedding, you know, and it's it's it was awesome. It's yeah, you can't beat it. you can't beat it. It's uh, it's a, and what it's was and and so um, what was your major? You were in um, I was uh, going towards business my first year, but you know I was sitting in classes. And I was like, okay, I'm just going through emotions. I'm not really learning anything. This is probably not what I want to do. So I actually went my own way and my own took my own route, went through something that's called interdisciplinary studies. Okay. Uh, which is a course that you had to take to be able to design your own major. Uh, so I designed my own. So I, I, I wanted mostly exercise sports physiology, right? But I also wanted to understand the business side of it you know, of everything. If, if that's strength and conditioning or if it's a local gym or if it's a hockey organization, I wanted to understand the business side. So I kind of took a nice little balance of both. I went through all the anatomy and all the kinesiology and functional anatomy and all the motor learning, motor development, um, strength and conditioning, you know, besides chemistry. That was the one class I never wanted to take ever because I, I, I knew I wouldn't pass it. <laughs> so... I took all those classes, combined it with some good business. And so that's kind of the two majors and minors that I had. Oh, nice. That's kind of unique too. And then, and then you ended up, so you graduated. Yep. So, so 
it looks like in your career, it's you're charting your own path and you're checking off your boxes and your experiences and you're, you're using every platform, optimizing the experience and then saying, okay, now what? Yeah, basically. And you still wanted to play hockey. Yeah. I mean, I knew that right away when I went to college, I, I mean, I, I knew I had four years ahead of me. So I knew I wanted to play hockey and never stopped playing hockey, but at what level wasn't really that important then because I knew I had to get through four years. But towards my junior year and definitely my senior year, it became more evident that I wanted to keep playing. And I knew that I had the game in me and, and, and the level to manage to you know, keep playing. It was just a matter of fact then to, uh, to try to find a team somewhere and, and get a shot. And so I started obviously looking at the, the East Coast League and some other leagues, and, but quickly realized that it's probably, I wouldn't say safer, but yeah, better option for me uh, in terms of hockey playing to go back to Europe. Uh, so I managed to, to get a contract in, uh, in Norway, in the highest league in Norway, where one of the guys that I played with in college, he was actually my roommate too. He's from Norway, so he played on that team. Uh, oh. in, the highest in Norway right so he I reached out to him and he said yeah well when you're done here you should come and play for us you know and so that's kind of what we did and I reached out and he helped me to get a contract with that team and the coaches from that team got in contact with me and said yeah we we want to give you a contract so I went over um, to Sweden again for the summer got ready for another hockey season and the next season I was in Norway playing professional hockey so two years over there, within, well, in two different teams. Yeah, two different teams, two different seasons. Uh, first year in the Mangaluru Star, uh, based in Oslo. Uh, luckily, that year we, we got through the entire season, but then we were going to go into the playoffs rounds against Stavanger Oilers uh, and play them. But COVID uh, started. That was the first sign of the pandemic, right? So wow. they, they shut the playoffs down and everything, and we just had to pack our, pack our stuff and go home uh, for the summer. And then uh, during the season, I, I didn't have an agent going into that season, but an agent found me and wanted to help me out during the season. He obviously liked <laughs> what he saw on the ice. So uh, I got myself an agent. It was great. He helped me out during that year, too, with my contracts and everything, and started to help me out and uh, looking for teams for the next season. Um, and that's when I found a great place in, in Narvik that had expressed their interest in me. And uh, yeah, I went up to <laughs> the North Pole, not really, but close. Oh, really? Up to Narvik, which is uh, the northern part of Norway. So a little bit of, uh, a little bit of travel um, between bit of travel. there. Yeah, so I mean, that year was also, it was still very uncertain on uh, if we were going to play or not since the COVID pandemic had, we we're still going. And wow. We still had, you know, weekly weekly meetings with uh, the league in Norway and say, are we going to start? Are we going to play? But it was never a question about then that we weren't going to play. So the season went on. Obviously, we didn't really have the fans like we had the first year when we had full full arenas around Norway, but we got to play and 
since we were way up north, we had to travel and fly to all the all the games. So we still got to travel, um, which was super nice. Because wow. being stuck in a pandemic in a very, very, very small town, it's not not ideal. But yeah. So how so so then you kind of moved on into what 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 made you curious about like okay I'm done. Yeah, that that was a uh, long process. Uh, it really started uh, towards the end of the season in Narvik. It was just, you know the league stopped us from playing. Yep. Um, they shut the league down for a couple of weeks in a row. Uh, we never got a, got an answer from the league if we were going to start up and, or not, if they were going to shut us down. So we, we were just up there, you know, every day doing the same thing. It was still dark out. Uh, yep. We were just practicing the same thing all over again every single day. Nothing. So I kind of got sick and tired, you know, sitting up there. Uh, yep. And I was like, okay, I need to maybe start looking around and see if there's other teams and and other leagues that are still going because I want to play it, obviously. I don't, but at the same time, I just don't want to sit here. And I have a girlfriend and, and, and a dog in a newly bought apartment back home in Sweden that I haven't seen in six months because they couldn't come and see me, right? Because that it, they would have been had to do in quarantine for two and, weeks. And I'm assuming that it's not like you're your, your, your contract was probably not like you're getting rich here. No, I, I, not, not, not a millionaire, but, any, but by any means. Uh, but it was like, again, uh, we were just sitting there and not knowing anything. And, you know, my patience kind of ran out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't getting any smarter, but just sitting out there in my apartment waiting for a phone call that maybe was never going to come, that the, that the league was going to start. So, and I hadn't been home for usually every single year during my nine years abroad. I have always been able to go home, you know. Uh, this that year was the first year in eight years I didn't spend Christmas at home. Uh, I didn't get the chance to fly home and see my family and friends and, and girlfriend and whatnot. So it, it was it took a toll on me to to be away for that long and not being able to go home. Um, so by late February it was it was tough. And I asked uh, the coaches and the general managers there, like, right, I need to go home for, you know, you need to send me home for a couple of weeks because yeah. I can't do this. Like, yeah. I'm going crazy up here. Like, yeah, I need to go home and see my friends and everyone. And they sent me home for, they let me go home for two weeks. Um, but then I decided once home that, you know, to stay put and yeah. not coming back. And it turned out that I made the right decision because, I mean, I think four days later, they decided to shut everything down. Um, so I, so I went to Solentuna in Division One and I finished off. I think I played 10, 10 games or something like that in Solentuna. And um, the plan was obviously to keep, to keep playing. Uh, I had a few offers uh, around Europe to go out and play. Uh, but it kind of came, came down to a family decision here. I came to a road now where yeah. uh, I've been gone for nine years. Uh, I've been on the distance with my girlfriend for six and a half. You know, yeah, it was a tough decision. It was not hockey has always the hockey part has always been so easy for me, right? It's it's like 10 percent of a hundred percent. The ninety percent is all around hockey. That's you know, do I like where I'm at? 
do I live in a good place? Can I go home? Can I see my family and friends? Can they come visit me? Um, so I had to figure all those things out um, because I knew that if I'm not going to be happy off the ice, I'm going to be miserable on the ice and not yeah. before. Um, so I, we went back and forth with a couple of different agents. I found some interest from a couple of teams, but you know, never really found the right deal. And um, yeah, so I kind of had to make a decision and I knew I was going to turn, yeah, I was 27. I was I'm turning 28. Um, but the bittersweet thing is obviously I came from my best season in my career. Uh, I had a fantastic season in Norway, great teammates, great coaches. Uh, I had a great role, uh, starting to put up really good points. Uh, so I had a lot of fun and I was like, okay, nice. Now I can keep going. Right. But I never really got the shot in, in Sweden or maybe like I wanted. Uh, so yeah, came down to the decision that, all right, maybe it's time to do something else or step away from playing, but not step away from hockey. Yeah. So how did this door open with leading up? Uh, well, I started coaching in Solentuna. So this is my first okay. year in, uh, in, in leading up. I started in Solentuna. I had an old friend, an old coach uh, that was coaching in Solentuna. And obviously, I mean, I, I played 10 games for them. So it's like... Yep. Yeah, okay. So uh, that's the entry to Solentuna. Okay. Yeah. I, I, otherwise, I wouldn't have any connection to Solentuna at all. I had never been there. But then they wanted or needed coaches. And I said, yeah, obviously I want to keep, you know, working with hockey in one way or another. And coaching has always been a big, big thing of mine that I want to do. Um, so I started there with a U16 team there as a head coach. When went up to the under 18s, probably in January, February. And yeah. So and how was that? that? I mean... How big of a deal was that for you? Because you've not done that before. You've been a player all this time. Yeah. It, it was a, I was, I think, I thought it was going to be a bigger transition going into coaching, uh, but it wasn't really. It was just, I could take all my experiences from, from Sweden, all the best coaches I had there, all the best coaches I had in the US, uh, and uh, the coaches that I had in, in Norway kind of combine those things together and then put my own touch to it. Uh, so I think that I gained a lot of experience. I was pretty smart too as a hockey player. And I, I you know, I saw the ice well and I learned a lot, obviously doing all my years abroad and um, kind of had a great idea for myself on who I am as a coach and what do I want to do and how do I want to play? How do I want my teams to play? So and, I can live that out right away, which is great. Yeah, explain that. If you were going to, in a short paragraph, explain that of, of who, who are you as a coach? What makes you different? I mean, certainly with your background and your experience makes you different. But what is your philosophy? What is it? How do you describe you as a coach? First of all, I'm very un-Swedish. Uh, I, I tend to say what what I like and what I don't like. Okay. Uh, I think I'm very straightforward. I have a clear idea of how I want my team to play. Uh, and I, I, I set rules. You know, this is how we play on this team. This is how we behave on this team. And I don't think I've had a player yet this year in the 18th that I had to go home and wonder, okay, I wonder if coach is mad or if what he means by this or that, why am I not playing? So I'm very straightforward. Um, 
sometimes brutally honest, but I think what I, I like that as a player to have a coach that doesn't bullshit, you know, yeah. tells me when I tell me when I do good, but also please tell me right away when I fuck up. So I know that I have fucked up so I can learn. Yeah. Instead of just being pissed, I don't talk to the players so they can go home and then I'll sit at all sit at home all frustrated because yeah. they don't know. So and I think my leadership is very straightforward and honest and very open uh, and sort of demanding, but with a lot of love at yeah. the same time. You know, I'll, as I said, I, I'll, I'll be the first guy to tell you, you did a great job, great game, great shift, great this. Okay, but sometimes you need to learn that and hear that that was not good. And that's that's. And what what about the relationship part? With how does that how does that factor in? You got the X's and O, but how about the relationship with the players? Big deal for me. Big deal Uh, because I've had coaches throughout my career that haven't been talking to me. Right that that don't see me or no matter what I do, I'm always stuck where I am or don't get the chance. So I've always told myself that if I'm going to turn into a player agent or a coach or whatever, I'm not going to be that, you know, I want to say hi to all my players. I want to talk to them. I go up to them during practice or after practice and say, Hey, great practice, but do this instead or do that. Um, so they feel seen first of all. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and be open and honest and talk to them because I know how it was as a player going home and wondering what I did wrong and what I did right is yeah. it's the worst feeling in the world because, okay, I was on the power play today, but now I, today I had a shitty game and I wonder if I'm going to be on fourth line tomorrow or if I'm going to be somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the worst feeling as a hockey player. But yeah. if you could implement that as a coach by just calming your players down and letting them know what you think about them and what they do right, what they do wrong, what they need to improve. I think automatically you gain the respect and, you know, they also, they put confidence in me and all of a sudden look at me. Okay. You, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. So leading it now, J18. So used to be called J18 elite, but of course in Sweden, you can't, you can't call anything elite. No, no. So now it's just divided into regions. Yeah. So uh, now it's called J18 region, uh, yeah. which I personally, I think is terrible the way that they, they called it that, but, but number 18 is called national. Yeah. So, so, so the, the, I'm assuming it's the same thing in, so you're in region uh, east. east. So the top after until Christmas you play, uh, against, yeah, so you we're, play we're, everybody yeah. twice, right? Yeah, we're, we're 12 teams in, in the league. Yep. Uh, top five will proceed going into all Svenskan, which later on combines into a bigger league of the top five teams from different regions. And the bottom six will keep playing in, in the region and compete of not getting relegated. Or I think there's the the top team also gets the wild card into the playoff. Yes. So if if you end up if you don't make top five, but you still win the run robins of the second round, so to speak, yes, you'll get the wild card into uh, the Swedish Championships playoffs. But then you have to play the the number one seed team. So it's it's probably two pretty quick games there. And then uh, thank you. 
Yeah, unless you're Lexand in uh, in uh, Hockeyallsvenskan and that that beats exactly, all yeah, those and, things, right? And, and then you go up right away, but yeah, but but, but I'm curious to uh, leading a not necessarily known for uh, as a powerhouse in in Stockholm, but you're playing at the region level, so you're a talk about the differences between uh, your team and uh, uh, the the the. And, and the big clubs. You're playing all the big clubs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're still in the same league as them, competing against them every day. Um, but the only difference really, we don't have a hockey base. Uh, so we, our biggest, you know, challenge is to get players here uh, and wanting to play here. Obviously, it's all about where you live, where is the closest, where is the most convenient uh, and stuff like that. So if you Again, if you don't go to the hockey nation, um, we need to find different players, right? So, and what what do, what do you offer uh, that it makes you other than, hey, I'm I'm this awesome coach, but you got you got new facilities, you got great facilities over there, right? Yeah, fantastic facilities, uh, full time staff, a lot of it at least, not on every single team, but we have some full time staff working. Uh, we have great resources. But, you know, the most important thing is that we get the players a chance to play on the highest level and still getting them the chance to compete against the best teams and moving on uh, into playing under under 20 nationals. They have the same same chance like everyone else. It's just saying yeah. to go a little further or, or the back, back route like I did and play for a different team and not a big club, but... Uh, that's not always a negative thing. I mean, I'm the prime example of that of not playing. Yeah. Maybe I'm in the biggest clubs all the time, but still kind of finding a way to. And how many of your how many of your players on your team get the chance to play on the on the on the J20? We don't have a, a J20 in our in, in our uh, club. So we have what we do have is two under 18 teams. One in uh, Division One. Division One. And then we have the A team, which is playing in division two okay um, but what we say i mean our job here is to you know work with this young talents and work with these young players and raise them into being good players and but also good young adults so we can send them out to the bigger clubs i mean that's just what we got to realize what our job is is yeah keep the players here for as long as they can from from the youth organizations all the way up to under 18 region and then you know let them spread their wings and go and do great things in other clubs. So yeah, I don't know if you want to call it a, a talent fabric, but but it's you know giving them a chance to play at the high level. Anyways. Yeah, but I think it's important to be able to say that's your identity, that's your goal, right? So if you if you don't have clear goals and identities, it's hard to form a strategy to move forward. Yeah, to then put those things into action that produces results and knowing that everybody's not going to play in the top division. Some are going to be, when they're done with J18, they're done. And yeah. they move on to, which is fine too. And, and it's just figuring out. And I think that guidance of that young male, you know, they, they're such, they go here or there. And I, I can remember it when I was that age, it was, it was so easily influenced in the positive or in the negative, negative yeah. side. And the impact I mean, we, 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 yeah. 
I mean, we just want to give them the, the, the best tools to succeed, right? And what, whatever they choose to do with the tools that we give them, it's, I mean, it's up to them, right? It's if they want to keep playing hockey and you're born 05 this year, you know, it's your last year of under 18 and you have to perform. And that's the pressure still these guys have on them to, if they want to move on. And I know that all our guys in that locker room there wants to play hockey after this year and or the following year. So, I mean, we treat this organization, especially this team, uh, like any other professional team, really, without yeah. getting paid. If we want yeah. to, to, to be professionals. And yeah. Well, it's been a uh, pleasure kind of chatting with you. And, and again, I want to go to wrap things up. Is, 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 yeah. It confirms what your, your experience, your background, it, yeah, certainly has been unique and is not like everybody. But you're there for a reason. You're there for a purpose. Um, certainly could have played on, but I think that you found a special place that um, that you can have an impact and also continue to grow in your new role. Yeah, and get better. Uh, I can tell that you're not going to be the same coach two years from now, four years from now, as you are this year. Yeah, probably not. And. Uh, uh, but I think that you're in a sandbox where you can play and have fun in your new role. Okay. Maybe not as a player, you probably could play, but, but um, it's going to be fun to kind of keep up with you and, and yeah, see what, what, what the next steps are. Follow leading a J18 yeah. region. Um, and uh, maybe there'll be a new uh, episode of rinkside in Sweden in leading a hockey in the future. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, you're, you're more than welcome to come and uh, pay us a visit. Yeah. Uh, I've have to have to take a tax deductible trip over there to, um, uh, to, to do yeah, that. I'm sure you can find a way, way around it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a bunch for jumping on and we'll be releasing this and, and, you know, I think it's just another example of, of, um, uh, how it works both in the U.S. and Sweden that hopefully is 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 uh, educational and 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 gives people an insight and also an interest. Lastly, what's the best way to, for people to reach you if they want to if they're interested in leading a hockey, if they're interested in talking to you about some guidance and stuff? What's the best way to reach you? I mean, like you did, probably LinkedIn, Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I have my all my contact information on the Leading a Vikings homepage. Yep. So uh, you can reach out, text me, call me, whatever. I'm, I'm always down to, to have a chat and help out in any way I can. Awesome. Thanks again, Ludwig. And, uh, Thank you so much for having me. Thank right, you. Cool.